Ironhead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Palm Sunday, the 2nd of April 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week for Palm Sunday, unsurprisingly, Paul spoke on Palm Sunday Surprise. The reading is Luke chapter 19 verses 28 to 48. So we'll go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Good morning everyone. It's really, really lovely. Excuse me, I didn't mean the high voice. It's really, really lovely to see you. And welcome to Minehead Baptist Church. Welcome if you're a visitor and you're just in Minehead enjoying the sun. Welcome if you've been here all your life and you've grown here since you were that, that high. Welcome if this is your first time here, either here in person or online. We'd love to be church family with you and we'd love to know more about you. Um, my name is Paul, I'm one of the ministers here. And just come and tap me on the shoulder afterwards over a cup of coffee, because I'm a bit of a coffee hound. And just say hi, and let's chat and find out a bit about you. The notices for this week are really, well, they're simple, but bear with me. I'm going to ask, um, as I do the notices, if we could put up a bit of a, a um, yes, a presentation. This, this Thursday just gone, uh, a, a group of 25 or so ladies joined together and made Easteries. This is the result of their efforts, so well done ladies for doing that. As that goes around, it's about a minute long, I've got a few seconds to give you a few more notices. And they are to say this, if you can provide a lift this week for Peter Wilson on Tuesday, the, Wednesday the 5th, or on the 18th of April to get to Taunton can, Hospital, can you speak to Peter or me? But here's the thing guys, he needs to be there for 7.30 in the morning. Um, so you need to be committed <laughs> to go and doing that. Can you speak to me or Peter? Interestingly enough, Peter's been able to arrange transportation back. So you don't need to wait for him, but he does need a lift to get there. If you could see me afterwards, that would be good. This week, of course, is Easter week, Holy Week. There's lots going on. So very briefly, they are as follows. That every week, every day this week at 7.30, we have a breakfast reflection. Um, it's about half an hour long, led by a different person each day. It's on Zoom, so please come join us from wherever you are. Um, you need to provide your own breakfast, though, because I'm not going around delivering that to the individuals' homes. But by the by, led by a different person this week, based upon those words that Jesus utters from the cross. Then to say, have you got notice? Then to say, okay, um, on Thursday this week, We've got our Maundy Thursday service here at 7 o'clock, communion service. At 10 o'clock in the morning on Good Friday, we have a Good Friday service, followed by a gathering at the old hospital with Christians together in Minehead at 11. On Easter Saturday, we have uh, between 4 and 6 an Easter party at the Hub, a children's Easter party. So if you want to know more about that, speak to Luke and speak to Tommy. If you can help serve craft or refreshments, we'd love to hear from you. And then on Easter Sunday itself, we're joining with Christians together in Minehead on the seafront for a sunrise, S-O-N, rise service at 8 o'clock. There's a 10 that's followed by breakfast here, if you wondered. For, so please come join us for breakfast. A 10 o'clock service here for Easter Sunday celebration service. A 4 o'clock church at 4 service and a six o'clock Easter celebration, led by Tommy. There you go, there's not much happening this week, is there? <laughs> but there are a couple more notices. 
One of which, since you're keen, come on, Tommy. Hello. <laughs> it's uh, Sam's birthday on Wednesday, so I think uh, it's customary in this church that we sing happy birthday. Um, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sam. Happy birthday to you. We're not going to ask how old you are, Sam. It's just not polite, is it really? Um, but happy birthday, and I hope you get loads of cake. Oh, talking of cake. Okay, importantly, that's the link. That was smooth, wasn't it? Importantly, there is cake after the service. Debbie's going to come and share with us a bit about the reason for the cake um, and a little bit about the girls' brigade and kind of... Come, be cool. (laughs) Do you need a reason for cake? No, no. No, I didn't think you did. So we've we've got some cakes. They are for sale. So girls' brigade... um, as you know, it's very dear to, to our hearts. And what I really wanted was to share why, partly why we need the money. We have a wonderful group of girls, absolutely delightful group of girls um, attending. And we'd love to be able to take some of them to celebrate 130 years. I think I might have been in since the beginning. Um, and Sue. Sorry, no, no. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and we'd love to be able to take them to a regional celebration that... Um, for those of you that have ever tried to book a coach, you'll know they are horrendously expensive. Um, what I really want to share is a little bit about, and I'll be really brief, a little bit about what we're doing on a brigade night. And Paul's often spoken about church without walls. And Wednesday night truly is church without walls. So we have a mixture. I think we probably have 50-50 church children and non-church children. It's a blessing to have our church children there. It's a double blessing to have our non-church children there. And we're able to share with them the gospel. We've done creation. We've done caring. And our older group recently have looked at the Easter story. We've done it through creative means. We made little donkeys for Palm Sunday. But for, um, when we looked at... <laughs> oops. <laughs> when we looked at Maundy Thursday, we, we made flatbreads together... And we shared communion with the girls and talked about how, how that link from Passover and, girls and, and, um, and the Last Supper and, and that release from, from captivity and how important that is. And what was even like a triple blessing, the girls had obviously made their own flatbreads. They then broke it and shared it with the helpers and officers. A real privilege to be there. We need your prayer support. We need to pray that these girls not only hear the gospel, but take it to their hearts. For many of these children, it's not taught in school. This is their only opportunity to hear the good news. The next week, we made Easter gardens, um, and we talked about the resurrection. They were sat there, like, hanging on every word as I told them the story. This is how wonderful this group is. They couldn't believe it that they picked, but the people chose Barabbas. It's like, no! <laughs> but they're in there. They're excited. They're hearing the gospel. So I would ask you to pray for us. We would love more girls to come, but we love the intimacy of a smaller company. We're able to get a better relationship with the girls. 
So I'd ask you to pray for, for us as, as helpers and leaders as we prepare each week, to pray for us on a Wednesday night. It's not all glue dots and flour. We're imparting the gospel. We are truly church without walls. But also just that general sense of being church without walls. That's what I've been praying for as a church. And, and I'd urge you to, to pray for us. So afterwards, we've got some cakes for a donation. If you haven't brought money with you, it's all right. We trust you. You can pay, pay us on another day or just uh, catch any one of us, Sue, Amy, or myself, um, and we'll trust you. That's how good we are, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, Sue and her lovely knitting group have made some little chicks and things. Um, the knit and natter that meets. It's again Church Without Walls. It's lovely, isn't it? have made some little knitted chicks and things. <laughs> so thank you very much. So, stay there. so let's do that. Let's take up the challenge and pray for these group of girls. Mm. Father God, we thank you. We are delighted and we are blessed to have this amazing group of young women in our midst. Father, we pray for them and we pray for their leaders that as they gather on Wednesday, they may see the reality of the love you have for them shining through the life of their leaders. That, Lord, we may play our part and they may know they're supported and loved and cared for. And that most of all, Lord, as they come to know you, you would be glorified. And one day we pray they would join us around the communion table in love with the Lord and sharing the reality of his death and resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless you, Debbie. They are a really good group of girls. They made me very welcome on Wednesday uh, with my little badge to make me an honorary girl, if you see what I mean. <laughs> and, and we turned, incidentally, apologies, Roy, because you, you need to know I need to confess, because I turned the sound up on every bit of sound equipment I could so that these young girls, when they were dancing, were rocking the place. And they truly did. So keep holding them in your heart. They're a special group. The, the parents that came, we ran a little bit over time, and the parents that came in at the end, the kids were just dancing and worshipping. And they were worshipping and, and praising. And, and one of the parents said, what a lovely thing to come into. It's parents as well. It's not just the girls. It's <laughs> awesome, isn't it? They have thus far this Easter raised the biggest hosanna. I guess, Roy, it's over to you to see if we can raise an even bigger one. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, we've got a lot to thank God for, so let's stand and come to worship and offer him our praise. Come, now is the time to just sung some very profound words. I will trust in him with all my heart. We're coming to a week when, if we'd have been around Jerusalem that very first Easter time, there'd have been lots of family involvement. If you've ever been to a Passover meal, you'll know that there's place for the smallest child within the meal and within what goes on. And we wanted to make, as, start, as we started this week together, I and Tommy just want to share communion with everyone as church family. So, if you're a small child, um, you're welcome. You're welcome. If you are, let's just say, more mature in years, you're welcome. Actually, this is the Lord's table. It's, it's, it's his invitation. So we thought we'd share communion together with you. And those of you that know that Tommy is relatively new to us may realize, and I'm going to give away a secret, this is your first time of sharing communion. 
but it's a good thing to do with him as an act of family together at the start of Holy Week. come to this table to remember Jesus, to remember that he is our rock and our salvation. He is our rock and our redeemer. Everything we do is built upon Jesus. <coughs> this is a simple meal that Jesus has given us. It's a covenant. It's a promise to us. It's a promise to all who love him that as he dies on the cross, he was paying he, he was paying our price for our sins. In giving his life for us, he was giving us a home. He was bringing us home, and one day we will be with him in absolute fullness. <coughs> it is a reminder that he has done everything that is needed for me and for you and for us to all have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. This morning we come as a family. We come as adults and children and everywhere in between. We come together. In one sense, we all come as children to God to remember that all who love the Lord are welcome to share bread and communion we're welcome to share bread and communion wine that for our children, for our children, we have some grapes that they can share instead if they wish. So that they can take it and eat it with us as a family. Grapes are a sign that one day we pray all our children may know Jesus personally. That they will taste the wine and experience the goodness of the kingdom of God. So come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Come, not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you acknowledge your need for mercy and help. Come, because you love the Lord a little, and long to love him more. Come, because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ. We are his body. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For I received, Paul writes, what I also, from the Lord, what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's come before our awesome Lord in prayer. Let's pray.
Loving God, we praise you and give you thanks for the incredible love you have shown to us in Jesus Christ. And as we look, Lord, today at that sense of his entry into Jerusalem, we thank you that throughout the whole of that week he was single-minded and focused on the reality that we needed to be brought home. Thank you for the meals, the meal that he gave us, for his life and his ministry, for how this meal announces the good news of the kingdom of God and declares and demonstrates the mighty power of our risen Lord. We thank you that he lifted the downtrodden, healed the sick, loved the loveless. We pray, Lord, that in this meal we may also share in his reality. We may also understand and share in his victory. We give you thanks for bread and wine, symbols of the world, yet signs of transforming love. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. This we pray in his name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Can I invite those who are distributing communion to come forward? Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. Friends, as you receive the bread, please eat as a sign that he gave his life for you. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This is the cup of the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. The wine is going to be distributed. Once you take a glass or a, or a grape, um, keep hold of it. And once everyone's got a glass or a grape, we will drink together. Friends, let's pray. With an act of simple sharing of bread and wine and grape. Your death, O Lord, we commemorate. Your resurrection, we confess. Your final victory, we await. Glory be to you, O Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, our young people are going to leave us now and go to their own part of the service. I think for one group, they're going to try and make sense of what communion is. But you'll see what I mean, I hope, if I've got that right, Sue, wherever Sue is.
Let's pray for our amazing young people as they go to their own part of this service. Father God, we thank you for the reality and the vitality of youth. Praise you, Lord, that you've made us young and old together. And may we, who confess Jesus is Lord, take that confession seriously and keep praying for our young people so that they in us may see you. And in doing so, Lord, may come to want to know you more than they've ever known you before. We pray for their leaders this morning that they would, Lord, be examples of the living Lord and that our young people may be moved and touched. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Roy. Thank you, Paul. We're going to sing the song. We were playing the music for you. It may be familiar to some of you. It may not be. It's a, it's a, it's a song called He Will Hold Me Fast. Um, it's called a new verse, which was written uh, recently, but was that, the actual song was written in 1907, which is even older than me. Um, uh, but let's... If you want to stand or sit uh, and use this as a prayer, that's whichever, which fine is. lovely to be here with you this morning to be able to pray together so shall we pray as we look at palm sunday and our lord coming into jerusalem on a donkey we know that when he comes again he will return as king for the lord has chosen zion he has desired it for his dwelling place father we ask you to show us your will to change us from the inside we pray for alec as he brings the word to our brothers and sisters in Linton. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. For Ken Denman's family, as they remind us of Ken and Janet's love of you, Lord, how they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We pray for Ukraine and Russian war. Your word tells us to pray for our enemies and to forgive. Thank you for all those who have fled the country safely, for those in the Minehead area, that they will receive the love and care they need, and those that they have left behind will receive your mercy and peace. Supply supernatural wisdom to Ukraine's leaders, Lord, we pray. We bring spring harvest to you, that plans will fall into place for the Christian Friends of Israel's UK resource store there, that the Lord would draw open-minded believers to the store and guide all conversations, encouraging them to be interested in Israel and her place in God's plans. Tensions are high in Israel at the moment, due to a drive to rebalance power between their parliament and the judiciary. 
We pray that as Richard's trip to the land is being planned, that everything will go smoothly for him and the people going with him. Where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Help your people during this coming Passover time to be in unity. Lord Jesus, you prayed, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen too prayed, Father, forgive them. Do not hold it to their account. We join in these prayers for Israel today. Father, before Jesus came, John the Baptist came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through Jesus all men might believe, that we might have opportunities to witness, Father, during this Easter week and tell people about the love of Christ and that all the activities that are planned within the church and in this country, Lord, would go well. Father, your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Father, we ask this for the United Kingdom. We pray for the volunteers working to help those in poverty, Father, as they cry out to you, Father God, for these people. We pray for our royal family. May they remember Queen Elizabeth's words and her love of you. And may reconciliation come to this family. Father, we pray for open doors as they minister to those Christians in trouble around the world. We pray particularly for Hei Wu, who is coming to Liabi from North Korea, the worst country to be a Christian, and yet she's coming bringing hope in her testimony. May we all learn new things about and enjoy being together as your church family this Easter. And we bring the children, especially Father God. We thank you for what we've heard this morning, that you're working out your purposes and plans for them. Father, you're a gracious, loving, heavenly Father. You love each one of us. You know each one of us. You know our needs, our desires, and our hearts, Father God. And so, Lord, we bring ourselves to you today. And we thank you so much for each other. Thank you that we are saved Thank you for the, those that you are calling to at this Easter time, Lord. And we remember the Lord Jesus, what he has done for us. And we thank you for opportunities, Lord, to bring ourselves and our families and our friends to you. Give us grace, Father. Give us peace, Father. And strengthen your church, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today's reading is taken from the book of Luke and chapter 19. Luke 19, starting at verse 28. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, 
saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were, went, who were sent went their way and found it, just as he'd said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they'd seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything. For all the people were very attentive to hear him. Thanks be to God. The reading we've just had takes place at the start of what I would like to suggest is one of the most momentous weeks in antiquity. About AD 29, I go further, I'd argue this is the most momentous week in history. Now, if I was to say the two words, Palm Sunday, I want you to do me a favour. This is your charge. You get some shut-eye, if you wish. Just to close your eyes and picture the scene. In your mind, what does it look like? 
Got it? Got the picture in your mind, at least to some degree. Thank you very much. I wonder if it's something like this. Can you see Jesus on a donkey, dressed in blue, very easily spotted, isn't he? Lovely children with palms in their hand, being dressed by their mums, probably reluctant to lay the palm down. Everybody waiting in line, waiting in turn. Jesus smiling gently, but all of them as he goes by. Is that the scene you had in your mind? Everybody clean hands, washed in their Sabbath best. Or is it something like this? Can we put the sound up on the PC, please? Thank you. Jesus of Nazareth. He's a prophet. A great prophet. A prophet? On a donkey? wonder what your image is is it that jesus if you looked at him and noticed him during that clip looking forward resolute determined knowing what is to come yet bearing it for you excited disciples judas who was ian mcshane if you know the actor excited because this is the moment this is the moment Jesus will at last do what I want. What's your picture? And if whichever one of those two you have, it brings a question to mind. Why do you think that in the space of one short week, Jesus would go from being the most popular person on the planet to public enemy number one? What's happened? The truth of the matter is, Jesus does not do things the way that we want him to do it. If only Jesus had stuck to the plan, if only he'd have done that which the religious authorities had asked for, if only he'd have bowed to the Romans, if only he'd forgotten God and gone down the route of all the centuries of tradition, if only he... 
Jesus' problem is that he doesn't stick to the script. And I need to apologise about not sticking to the script as well. Because I forgot to welcome three members around the communion table. My apologies to you. But we've all put that right in a while. What about us? This church would be much better if we all... Jesus doesn't stick to the script. But do we have the same attitude to Jesus, indeed to each other as church today, as those religious authorities did way back then? If church doesn't do what I want it, no, no, change that, need it to do, then I'm finished with church. Jesus comes and changes everything. Why did he go from being the most popular person to enemy number one? Well, I believe, friends, here's the revelation. I believe that the answer can lie in what is already being produced. I think we've got a few of them already. We're going to try and produce 50-odd for Christmas. And you're saying, that man's lost the plot. Actually, what Anit and Natter are doing on Wednesday is knitting donkeys. About 50 of them, and they're going to go out in the shops. Christmas is a kind of Christmas hunt thing. See, I think the answer to that question can be found if we look at Palm Sunday and think of the donkey. Or more particularly, think of the ownership of the donkey. This is where over coffee everyone says, nah. Well, we'll see. Have you ever thought about its ownership? Luke chapter 30. 30 to 30. Sorry, Luke says this in 1930-31. Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there that no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why you're untying it, say, the Lord needs it. But then he adds another little fact in verse 33. As they were untying the coat, the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Now hopefully I'll be able to pull those two things together in a minute, but let's just see if I can. What you, we need to begin with is to understand what was happening in the political world in Jerusalem at that particular time. The third century, third decade rather, of the first century AD. Now, the Jews had been waiting for this long-promised Messiah, someone who was going to free them from the oppression of a foreign ruler, a tyrant. And they look back in history, about 200 years before, in 167 BC, when a chap called Judas Maccabees threw off the yoke of the Seleucid kings of Syria and reclaimed Jewish independence. For the Jews, that was the type of Messiah that they were expecting at the beginning of Holy Week. Someone that would do what they'd done before, or more particularly, do what they felt they needed now. What about you? If Jesus came today and stirred this church up, what would you think? Because that's what he's about to do in Holy Week in the middle of Jerusalem. Why did the change, crowd change in one short week from worshipping Jesus to baying for his blood? I'm going to make a suggestion. And it's basically this. Because Jesus brings change. 
And bluntly, friends, we often find it unacceptable. It is unacceptable, I was told, when I went into a church once. If this service goes on for more than an hour and two minutes, by the by, it is unacceptable if this service doesn't last 58 minutes. And we laugh, but that's true. How dare we put the handcuffs on Jesus Christ? What about this church? Because if we're not careful, we look at that church, that's natural, and go, oh, we're never like that, aren't we? Jesus comes and challenges us. And before we sit in total piety, let's think of those small things in our lives that maybe change and we go, oh no. Jesus challenges. Because one thing he also challenged was their concept of Messiah. Challenged and changed preconceptions. And do you know what happens in Jerusalem throughout that week? Religious people didn't like it. Guess what? Religious people still do not like it. That is true. The church of Jesus Christ is not dead. It's just it's in the hands of the religious. There's a statement for you. Let's take it out of the hands of the religious and once again say this is Christ's church. No matter what you do, Lord, we're going to go your way. Jesus resolutely committed himself to all that was going to happen in Holy Week. So must we. But Jesus did it knowing it would cost. So must we. What is it going to cost us? Our way. And if the religious people had just been paying attention on Palm Sunday they would have noticed something that declared it right there and then. Here's the deal, okay? If Jesus was coming as an all-conquering king, he would not have ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey, would he? If he'd have been coming as a political messiah, he'd have risen into Jerusalem on a white stallion, the symbol of power. But instead, he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, the symbol of servanthood. You may recall earlier I said the key to understanding why the crowds turned is to think of the ownership of the donkey. I want to ask you if you agree with me, I hope you do, that riding in on the donkey was an extremely well-planned operation. Okay. I believe that Jesus purposely pre-planned the day. And riding on a donkey into Jerusalem was no mere chance. Now, how do I know that? Well... I believe the evidence is in scripture. Good place to start. So let's start with scripture. This is what he says to his disciples, Luke 19. Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone ever asks you why you're untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. Now I'm going to imagine something, that I have given you an open invitation to come to the manse. Lorraine doesn't know I'm going to do this. Come to the manse and take whatever piece of furniture you like home with you. Got that? You can have anything. Right? Not the fishing rods. No, you can have anything, honestly. You can come and take anything you want with you home. Now, if I was to say to you, okay, 
If that was actually what I was going to instruct you to do, I'd say, go to 30 Pagnell Road and see Lorraine. Wouldn't I? You know Lorraine. She's not likely to say yes, don't try it. You know, but, but you get my drift. If, Jesus, if these disciples had known the people that owned the donkey, Jesus would have said, go and see John or Luke or Matthew or Barnett. You get my drift? But he doesn't, does he? And so it's likely that the disciples didn't know the owners of the donkey, yet Jesus does. He's pre-planned it. And note, owners. If the donkey had belonged to someone that was middle class or wealthy, it would have had one owner. But the fact it's got two owners means this is two poor people clubbed together. (laughs) To buy a donkey. And therefore, rather than being someone rich for whom the donkey and the colt getting lost for a week was of no consequence, this matters to these two poorish owners. It's an investment. Why? Why would the owners part with such a prized possession? The only reasonable explanation is that when the disciples say the Lord needs it, it's the prearranged code word. If this is so, then Jesus put a lot of planning into riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Well, why did he do that? Well, Jesus knew scripture and he was well versed of Zechariah's prophecy given four centuries earlier that says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus rides into town on a donkey. He is making a profound statement about who he is, yet the crowds cannot hear it. Because they're caught up in their own preconceptions. What about us? What about if the Lord swept through this church in the next 30 seconds by the power of the Holy Spirit and we were all taken up so much so that if you've got the roast in in your oven, apologies for this, it gets burnt by the time you get home. Or would we, in 20 minutes' time, go, got to go soon because of that roast? What about us? Jesus is making a profound statement, and if we listen to him, he'll make a profound statement now. That's my point. The the donkey reflected the servanthood of Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 53. And he gets into Jerusalem, and there's an air of expectation, and this is the moment that those Romans are going to be kicked out. And what does Jesus do? Goes into the temple and drove out those who were selling. Instead of leading a revolt to throw out the Roman secular power, the first thing Jesus does is go to the temple to clean up the shop, so to speak. Why? Because he came to change their expectation of Messiahhood. This is a new way. If Jesus was to come again here, the first people he'd have to start with are you and me. Sorry, but we ain't perfect. If you think you are, 
come see me afterwards and tell me how to be perfect. But because we're not, Jesus needs to start with us. We say, bring the walls down. It was an amazing time to be with those young girls on Wednesday. It was awesome. And so awesome that, as I say, I cranked up the sound because they just seemed to be having such a great time worshipping. Friends, they worshipped without any inhibition. And incidentally, we think, or I think, if one of you discovers later on a chocolate bunny, okay, we've left one in the church. This is absolutely true. There is somewhere in the church a chocolate bunny, which we've left as part after doing an Easter hunt. So if you do find yourself with a piece of chocolate, congratulations. Let us know you found it. It's yours. <laughs> but you get my drift. In such times, they, they just worshipped. What about you and me? If Jesus came today and he said, I want to change this, would we go, we're comfortable, thank you. Holy Week's a well-planned operation. The donkeys show that. The preparations were done in secret because if Jesus had not acted clandestinely, the enemies would have confiscated the donkey and the prophecy from Zechariah wouldn't have been fulfilled. But the high priest and his supporters in the Pharisees were caught on the hop. Passover was a happy time. The crowds caught in a good mood. And here was Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, had come. But the mood changed when at the end of possession he went to the temple and cleared out the money changers and traders rather than need an uprising against the Roman garrison. If Jesus was to come back again, would he go into the pub and say, I'm here because actually I want to tell you all I'm Jesus Christ and, and the church is doing well, thank you very much. Or would he come here and say, how dare you? How dare you that you don't come together and pray? What would he do? You tell me. Friends, the mood changed because this is radical Jesus. By the time Good Friday comes, we know the story. His enemies have caught up with him. But this is Palm Sunday. Someone wrote this in a book. It's a lovely phrase about Palm Sunday as a kind of summary in itself. It said, on Palm Sunday, Jesus rocked the religious folk by rocking their folk religion. What a brilliant phrase. Jesus rocks religious folk by rocking folk religion. We're going to end in some time of praise and worship in a mo. Our time to come together. Incidentally, if it lasts so long that the Sunday dinner burns, hallelujah. Okay? Got to let you know, I pre-cooked my Sunday dinner and I've already burnt it. And that is absolutely true. <laughs> okay? Really, really true. But can you get the point? Jesus, what do you want to do? How do you want us to be this Sunday? Let us as God's church be careful not to miss the changes that the donkey of Jesus Christ heralds. Jesus came to change the mindset of those who call themselves God's, God's chosen people. And he came, came to challenge religion. He challenges religion today. Because the rules and regulations of a religion bring death. But a relationship with Jesus Christ brings life. 
There's no way on earth. Pardon the Baptist Union if you're watching. This could be my accreditation gone. Pardon the Baptist Union, but there's no way on earth being Baptist saves you. I expected the odd hallelujah from a group of Baptists because we're radical, but you get my drift. There's no way being Church of England saves you. There's no way being Catholic saves you. There's no way being Methodist. You get the point. All that's going to save you is the fact that you have a relationship with this man who came in a donkey and rode into Jerusalem, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is your saviour, and, and being his alone brings salvation. Religion won't do it. It brings death. We talk about worshipping in spirit and truth. Maybe worship in life. Maybe ride lightly on our traditions and get rid of that which are not scripturally warranted. And if we do not do so, we may find ourselves opposing with rather than cooperating with the plans that God has for the church here in Minehead. I, I long to take the walls down. Someone said to me this morning, oh, Paul, you're, we're going to need a bigger church. Because we were, think, we're trying to fit people in, wear our seats and stuff. No, brothers and sisters, that's not true. You're wrong. It's not that we're going to need a big church. It's that we need a big church. It's here and it's now. And the only way to do that is to bin religion and follow Christ. Happy to bin religion? We'll see. <laughs> of course you are. Let's plan that we follow the Lord's plans. And let's pray that it's his way only. Friends, will you join me in prayer? Father, during this time of Lent, during this Holy Week, during this week of such passion... We pray that you would give us ears that are willing to listen to what you want to say to us. As we acknowledge the reality of that small clip where the actor seems to capture what might have been happening for Jesus and he looks ahead and he's resolute because the cross lies before us and lies before him. May we keep the cross of Christ before us, acknowledging that we need to take up our cross daily and follow our amazing Lord. And may we acknowledge that the way to resurrection power is through the cross. So may we be willing to embrace the changes you wish to bring to our lives, individually and as a church. And my prayer, Lord, for this moment, for each of us individually and for us as community, is that the power of the Holy Spirit would be unleashed. You'd be honoured and glorified. Our religion would burn away. And the power of the Holy Spirit would shine through. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now I absolutely promise you that I didn't choose the next song. But it's absolutely appropriate. Uh, I didn't, in fact, I've got to be honest, Roy, and say so I think this is the first time I've noticed it's here in the order of service. So thank you for that. But we're going to sing a song that speaks of that Hosanna. And there are two ways of doing Hosanna. 
Blair's like, yeah, okay, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And by the by, all the while you're doing that, you're thinking of something else. Or there is the way that goes, Hosanna, and takes your heart and praises. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but here's the deal. I invited those young girls on Wednesday. I said, if you need to get a space in the church because you want to dance up and down and jig and pray, or you want to come and worship with banners, or or you just want a space just to throw your arms in the air without punching your next-door neighbor, or whatever you want to do, if you want to come and lay and be and sit, that's fine. Hosanna isn't about this. It's about this. So I'm going to invite you, as we did with those young girls, to worship with all of your heart. And they took it very seriously, as Debbie said. And they were amazing. I wish I could transport you all back there so you could see. But let's hosanna the Lord. Amen. Roy. As Jesus enters our hearts and lives, let our praise rise to the Lord. And as we sing these next couple of songs, sometime during this, the stewards are going to take up our offering. I'm just going to ask Roy in a moment to go back over that chorus. Just keep worshipping where you are. This is what the prophet Joel writes about that amazing sense of worshipping in spirit and truth. He says, even now, declares the Lord, dear, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love and relents from sending calamity and then just a short while afterwards in that same letter he writes this and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people your daughters your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions now I don't know where you are in that I don't know if I'm a young man or an old man but I want both dreams and visions please Lord And the reality is that starts with me doing this with my Hosanna, rending my heart. So we're going to sing that Hosanna chorus one more time. And then I'm going to invite those amazing folk who I forgot to pray for around the communion table. Ken, sorry guys, a porter over there and for Terry over there, I think, just to come and gather and we'll pray. Hosanna. Can we take you, Brian, can we take you from here the sound of hearts returning? carry on in praise just for a moment as I say before we give a hand of fellowship to three of our throat by declaring a reality when you rend your heart when you do hosanna it's all for one purpose Jesus shall take the highest honor Please be seated. I'm going to invite uh, Paula and Ken and Terry uh, just to come forward. Um, These amazing folk became members of this church on Tuesday, a couple of weeks ago, Tuesday. (laughs) 
be lovely to welcome them. I'm going to offer them the hand of fellowship, and then it'd be great to pray for them. But it'd be lovely to welcome them, actually. Well, I guess in a most amazing, uproarious, welcome way we can, with an awesome, yeah. Ready? <laughs> welcome, friends. Do you know, we started with that, uh, reading that, that amazing reading from Joel. And in the middle of it is something that I always uh, find amaz- amazing myself, that, and afterwards I will pour out. Because this is my sense of prayer for you all this week. I love the fact that we're doing this in Sudan and prayer is still going on. Hallelujah. For me, that's kind of really cool. But you get my drift. So if online you can't hear me or there's muddle, don't you worry, you just keep praying. But at the end of Joel chapter 2, it says this. And, I, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. Mm. My prayer, Lord, is that that reality would be our heart's reality this week. That we would acknowledge that you rode into Jerusalem and that deliverance has come. And that that would be a blessing to us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Roy, I think we've got one more song. One more song, Lord reign in us. Yeah, Lord reign in me. To leave a comment, please go to moonhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.